Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's Greg Matzik. In for Tom McHear for the rest of the week on taking a much-deserved vacation. Mike Spaulding in for Sandy Max, who is expected to be back tomorrow. Bob Brainerd in for Greg Matzik. Uh, you've heard Bob mention some of the quirks of the Packers' schedule. Uh, it is out, or it's been leaked anyway. The official schedule release comes at 7 o'clock tonight. Now, I always find this very interesting because we have, we've known the opponents since the day the season ended. Oh, yeah. Right, so we knew who was going to play the Packers at home. We knew who the Packers were going to travel to play. We just didn't know the time or the specific dates or days, right? So it's like we, we knew the Christmas gift, but we didn't have all the wrapping off. Uh, you know what I mean? So That's I, about it. it yeah. The NFL could sell paint drawing on a wall like they just can so uh, there is this big secretive release special, and it'll be on television, and it'll be an hour long, and we'll dive into it. But the schedule was, for the most part, revealed this morning by Matt Schneidman of The Athletic, and there are some confirming reports that are coming in. Here's my biggest takeaway. There are six games that will be featured on its own. And I hesitate to use the word prime time because Thanksgiving at 1130 in the morning is not right. prime time. Yeah. But that's the only thing happening at that moment in the NFL. And along with that, five other nationally televised games. Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Thursday Night Football. That tells me either the Packers are still held, regardless of quarterback, regardless of their record, in very high regard. Number two, the NFL is is kind of buying Jordan Love more than maybe some of the public. Could be. Number three, win or lose, it's still a juicy story that there's a new quarterback leading the Packers. And, and it could be some sort of bizarre combination of everything there. But six games where it's the Packers and whoever their opponent is and nothing else, I did not expect that total. Now, fun fact, Greg, and you and I talked about this on the show yesterday. Uh, a lot of these primetime games, or what we won't say primetime, but national standalone games, right? They're later in the season. They fall into that window that they can be flexed out. And perhaps that is the thinking saying, all right, if Jordan Love catches fire, if the Packers are still relevant, we want them on these national TV games. If not, we can just flex those late games out and bring in somebody else. So they have, and and again, the flexing is all over the board. Everything is up for grabs, including moving days, moving times, moving networks. So it could be, let's have a little trial balloon with Jordan Love and the Packers, see how they do in the first half of the season. And if they don't live up, if the, if the record is poor, if Jordan Love is performing poorly, if the Packers are performing poorly, then we just make a move and we get a better t- team and get a better matchup. You get a handful of noon games on the schedule, six, seven, eight, eight noon games, which is more than usual. Mm-hmm. Usually it's maybe three with Aaron Rodgers because you're getting a 325 window in addition to all these national games. Uh, but still, more national games than I thought or that I expected. But you're right. The schedule is kind of a suggestion. It's a starting point, and things will be flexed and moved and manipulated. So what you see on paper today, what you see on the Packers' website later this evening, uh, keep it as a reference, but understand that things could certainly change. Season does begin, according to Matt Schneiden, against Chicago on the road. First home game will be against the New Orleans Saints on September 24th. And, uh, yes, holidays are in play for the Packers again this year uh, uh, at Chicago, excuse me, at Detroit on Thanksgiving and then you've got New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve, I should Christmas say. Eve, it's also yeah. Kind of, yeah, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, yeah. right? That, that's not uncommon in recent years. And for Wisconsin fans that want to go to Vegas and do the whole Vegas football action, that is week five. It's a Monday night football game against the Raiders, Devontae Adams, of course. 
on on the Raiders. So a friend of mine, he, he texted after this was leaked and said, nosebleed seats are about 500 bucks, going mm. for about 500 bucks. So bring your money or make sure you win some money while you're in Vegas to cover the cost of the tickets. Yeah, that jumps off the page as the game Packers fans might be most interested to travel to. We shall see, but it is against the Raiders um, in Las Vegas on October 9th. Might be a nice time to visit yeah. Las Vegas and enjoy the last bit of warmth. 4.15 on WTMJ. You've heard of the four-day work week. What about the four-day school week? Is this a good idea? It's coming to states across our nation. I'll give you the details after this. So we talked on the program about the idea of a four-day work week and the merits of companies moving to a different sort of model for a variety of reasons. The four-day work week, would it increase production? How would it be structured? Would you add an hour or two to your workday Monday through Thursday, then take off Friday? Maybe companies would choose to have Monday off. Maybe it would sort of flip-flop by department. Right? There are merits behind the discussion of a four-day work week. Well, somewhat new, at least a growing segment of the country, is starting to move toward a four-day school week. And the latest is just outside of Houston, Texas. The Crosby, Crosby School District voted recently 4-3 to three to adopt a four-day instructional week calendar beginning next year. Similarly, in the Kansas City area, several districts are moving to this model. It's also happening in Phoenix, Oklahoma, and some other states around our country. But this has really exploded, and it, it, it took off in 2019, 2020. We started to get into the pandemic and it was, what do we do here? How do we, how do we reconfigure uh, our school day? And several districts adopted the, the four-day rule. I don't know that it's ever going to make sense in metropolitan areas or in suburban settings. These are primarily rural areas. But the idea of a four-day school week, wrap your head around that for a second. And if you're an educator or you work in administration, I'd be very curious to hear your thoughts here on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Would this work? Would you like to see this? Does it make sense? 414, uh, excuse me, 855-616-1620. The reason they're doing this, Spalding and Bob, is a retention tool for existing teachers and educators and a recruiting tool for educators. In these rural communities where it's hard to retain talent, it's hard to get talent to come to those rural communities, it's hard to have the quality of education that I'm sure administrators would like across the board. So they're using it as a way to attract talent and retain talent. I know that prep time for a lot of teachers is is also an issue because the they, the school day is long enough and it's like, well, when do I do prep prep work to get myself ready and is that going to be the weekend and take me away from that so a lot of educators could use this and say okay i don't have kids in the classroom on friday i can use that time to either come in or stay at home and use that strictly for prep work to get myself better prepared when we start the new week on monday so like the in-service day that we used to have exactly right so just just if we learned go ahead mike Oh no! I think if we've learned anything over the you know the course of the last two and a half years with the COVID pandemic, kids are resilient. Like they can handle change. I don't know if a four day week would hamper them in any you know real significant negative way. And if it's going to help the teachers educate better, I think you'd want to look at it like more time spent. You want more quality time spent in the classroom than you do just overall time spent in a classroom. That's kind of my line of thinking. Now it could pose some. And, as someone without kids, it could pose some challenges, I'd imagine, as a, as a parent there if you're trying to find 
somewhere for your child to go on a Friday or a Monday. But, uh, you know, who knows? Throw it against the wall. They're just our children. It's just the future of the <laughs> right. world. Throw it against the wall. <laughs> well, you bring up, okay, education. What's going to happen here? So no school on Fridays just outside of Houston, Texas. No school on Monday in the Kansas City area for some of these districts. They're going to end up adding about a half hour of their normal school day, so Monday through Thursday. So they get you know, a couple of extra hours baked onto their day before they go to practice or whatever, and then we'll have either Monday or Friday off. I do wonder if they still have practices, right? Are there athletic competitions on those days when you don't have school? I guess at times we did things on Saturdays in track and field and sure. in basketball. But I also wonder about test scores. CNN did a little breakdown and study of the whole deal. Here's my question. I assume rural parents liked it or some, not to generalize everybody, because the kids work at home, either working farms, working with their industry. That's not the case in Houston or Kansas City or Phoenix. How, as a parent, I mean, if, if my kid has a one-day shorter school week, it's an absolute nightmare for me. I mean, look, the fact is, is that the cost could be tremendous, right? It could be an extra five to 9000 yearly in child care per family. That's Five to nine percent of the median family yeah. income. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we talk about the effects, right? So the four day school week effects, it, we've found out that it does, in fact, lower test scores and academic achievement. Though I will point out the ill effects of it do shrink if you do expand the school days, the hours that you're in school on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Yeah, if they went to the four day, uh, for, excuse me, from a four day work week to a six day work week, which sometimes in this business it just is, it's mm. the nature of the beast. Yeah, you'd probably have a little bit more work fatigue. Right, you'd probably not be as interested. So expanding the school day uh, a little bit is not really in the cards. But uh, interesting nugget out of that was, that, yeah, test scores were improved in some cases. The daycare element, the child care element, is a real one. If you're talking about third graders, second graders, first graders, kindergartners, and that day off for two working parents, man, the summer is a trick to try and get that all figured out. I do think it's interesting. I reached out to Paul Milkey, who's the superintendent uh, for the Hamilton School District in Sussex, and he said, really, I don't have much to say on this. We've never discussed it. It's not really on our radar. We do have new members on the board. I, I don't know what their thoughts are, but this is not really something that we've even approached uh, as a thought. So not coming to a, a southeastern Wisconsin school near you, I, I can't imagine. But I would be curious if rural markets in our, our states would be pushing towards something like this. Yeah, and I, I also think that there's like a domino effect where – Who's going to blink first? If somebody does it first, then everybody else is looking at the, okay, you're the guinea pig. How is it going? Is it working? Because we thought about it, but we don't want to jump first into the pool. So if there is a rural community that starts it, all eyes will be on them. And then after a year, be like, like, okay, how did that go? Then you may see more that those dominoes start to fall where more say, all right, we're going to try it as well. Yeah, it's just like new rules in baseball, right? You try it out at the Atlantic yes, League. Yes, right? and that's just, working. Just, just try it at the Atlantic League, and then before too long, it'll be at Major League Baseball. It's an interesting discussion. I don't think it's happening in Wisconsin anytime soon. Maybe it is happening in markets that I'm just not familiar with. Uh, maybe in the northern part of the state, rural areas seem to be more prone to something like this, but... Uh, certainly not coming to southeastern Wisconsin anytime soon. Not that we think, anyway. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. You ever get the feeling Hollywood is running out of ideas? All the time. Has it ever crossed your mind that Hollywood is just, you know what, I know there's a writer's strike, but... There's a couple of movies that are going to be coming out in uh, 2024. We don't have exact dates here. Uh, but two movies that I, I guess I, I wouldn't have shocked me if there was a sequel 
to these movies, I don't know, two, three years after the original came out. What was the Back to the Future trilogy? Uh, I think they started advertising two as one was ending. Right, right. So, right, and three was a couple of years after that. So the original is at least still kind of fresh in your mind when the second one or third one comes out. Yes, and, and most of the cast, I would think, is, is probably still alive. Right? Most of your key cast. It helps. It's a, in the it, sequels. It helps. In, in some respects, a prerequisite before having a sequel is, is our main character still alive? Well, it worked with Top Gun. There's another movie. A long time from point A to point B. Right? Movie number one to movie number two. And Top Gun nailed it with Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I, I must admit, I am not pining for a Beetlejuice 2 but here we are talking about the return of Beetlejuice. Wow. This came out in 1988. 1988. Michael Keaton. Was it a comedy? Was it a horror film? I don't know that it was really either, to be honest with you. But a Michael Keaton, Tim Burton movie revealed in 1988. Beetlejuice, a Warner Brothers flick. Well, now Warner Brothers is saying, and just a couple of days ago they announced this, that Beetlejuice 2 will return or arrive in theaters in 2024. Wackiness, hijinks, Michael Keaton will be in it. He is still alive. But here we go. Whether you wanted it or not, and I'm guessing you forgot about it, Beetlejuice 2 will be at a theater near you in 2024. Now, I guess Ghostbusters, okay, we had the, the, the latest one, The Afterlife. And that was some time since the last, what was it, Ghostbusters 2, right? So, and, and in fact, Harold Ramis, was, they had to digitally bring him in. But, but, but Greg, that was like decades between Ghostbusters 2. So, and they're going to have another one, another Afterlife coming up for this latest Ghostbusters. So I guess it depends on the audience, but I think a lot of the audience members, once this far apart, they don't even remember the original. So when they see a two attached to Beetlejuice, a lot of the younger audience is going to say, well, wait a minute, where was Beetlejuice 1? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you may have to go back and find that. Uh, you probably can somewhere, somehow, some way, right? It's, it'll be available for you to consume. Now, the other movie that is is... Going on a remake here, and I, I guess I didn't really see this one coming either, but I, it came out in 2004, and it starred Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller. You guys suck! Thank you. Nice, nice to be in Vegas. You should quit now. I think I'll take my chances in the tournament. Yeah, you will take your chances. That's what I just said. That's what I'm saying to you. All right? Touche. Yeah, that's Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah! You don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. And that's a Beetlejuice trailer, right? From uh, back in the day, the original, the OG, if you will. If there was any way in the world we could raise $50,000. We could play dodgeball. Line up, ladies! The name's Patches O'Hulahan. And I'm your new coach. You gotta get angry! Yes, I'm not really an angry person. <laughs> Are you angry now? Dodgeball 2 coming to a theater near mm. you. They don't have a release date, but it'll be sometime in 2024. Uh, it does appear as if Vince Vaughn will be in it. He's talking on a podcast about it. But the original came out in 2004. The youngest character in the cast was 26 at the time this movie came out. He's now 44. So he's certainly taken on a different life. Uh, Patches O'Houlihan, I don't think he's alive anymore. I, but here we go. Dodgeball 2. It premiered in June of 2024. Uh, only cost twenty million to make. Net one hundred sixty-eight million at the box office. So here we go. Twenty years later, why not bring dodgeball back? Dodgeball, a true underdog story. You can dodge a wrench. You can it, dodge a ball. Is it still Globo Jim and the Average Joes, or since the Average Joes resurrected their uh, 
gym because of the $50,000 they won playing dodgeball? Do they have right. a new gym? Is There's the, so many questions. Is it the kids? Is it the new generation of dodgeball? I, I, I don't know. I mean, we're talking like 20 years after the original, so... Something has to be different in the storyline. Well, I, these are coming whether you like them or not. Dodgeball 2 and Beetlejuice 2. And we should start a weekly segment on this program called Hollywood has run out of ideas. We will have no problem filling it. Oh, I can absolutely you no that. problem. It's 445 in WTMJ. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. National Travel and Tourism Week continues here on WTMJ. Locally, all week long, we're highlighting some of the great places you can visit throughout your summer, adventures ahead, or maybe even to the fall. Get it on the schedule. Get it on the calendar. That's what we like to do. We focus on Lake Geneva today. We welcome in Stephanie Klett from Visit Lake Geneva. Hi, Stephanie. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on again, and it's great to represent one of the great towns, uh, really any time of the year, but we know that Lake Geneva really pops off in the summer. What's on the must-to-do list if you're visiting Lake Geneva sometime this summer or even early fall? Well, I've got to give you two right away because uh, this summer, Lake Geneva Cruise Line, and they offer everything from an ice cream social cruise of Geneva Lake to the U.S. mailboat tour to a supper club cruise, jazz cruises. It's so much fun, but they're celebrating 150 years. So they're doing cool things all through the summer to celebrate that huge milestone. So that's the first thing you have to do because Geneva Lake itself, it's spring-fed. It's one of the largest inland states, uh, uh, inland lakes in the state. And um, you can surf on it. You can paddleboard on it water ski, you know, you name it, um, three gorgeous beaches along um, the entire lake. So uh, that's number one. And number two is, for all the supper club fans out there, um, we have Mars Resort on Lake Como. And if you're not familiar with Lake Como, Lake Como is literally just a five-mile drive from downtown Lake Geneva. It's still considered the Lake Geneva region. And they have Mars Resort, which is celebrating 100 years as a classic supper club. So it's got the great location of the lake. It's got a sand beach. Um, it is, it's such a party vibe. Um, it's, it's a, you know, wear your Hawaiian shirt, dance outside. They always have live music. They have, you know, great fish fries and old fashions. They're known for their ribs. So if you want a restaurant along the lake, um, a little off the beaten path, Mars Resort is a place for you. Yeah, we had some relatives in from out of the country a, about a month ago, and, and we talked about different things to do in the summer and places that we like to go and so on and so forth. And in describing Lake Geneva, I, I, I sort of settled on the idea of it being kind of like a, a summer haven for folks in the Midwest. You flock to it. It's not far away. It's easy to get to. It's got laid-back beach vibes if you want that. It's got resort-style golf if you're looking for that. Like, I, I kept adding things to my list because there's so many things to do. There is. And you know what? So, something everyone needs to put on their list as a must. And you're going to find it on the cover of our Visit Lake Geneva uh, Visitor's Guide, which you can pick up free or we'll mail it to you free. Um, and it's, it's indispensable, if you're, especially if you're new to the area. But take a tour of, of Yerkes Observatory. Yerkes is, it was built in the 1800s. It used to be part of the University of Chicago, um, but it is truly the birthplace of modern astrophysics. Um, Albert Einstein has visited uh, some of the, the most incredible scientists 
of our era uh, is studied or taught at Yerkes. Think Carl Sagan. Think Nancy Grace Roman. She was the first female executive of NASA and the mother of the Hubble Telescope. Um, these are all folks at, that have, have been at Tierkes, um, whether studying there, teaching there, or both. And Yerkes is home to the world's largest refracting telescope. And that still stands to this day, even though it was built, you know, in 1897. So um, the grounds were done by the, the same folks, the Olmsted brothers, that did Central Park in New York. Um, so it's, it's spectacular. People pull up. And their jaw drops open because you can't make a, 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 a building like this today. And so if you haven't seen or explored Yerkes Observatory, you will um, take this tour. Uh, your jaw will drop open. But we have people leave that tour and they weep because literally, you know, we discovered that the universe is ever expanding at Yerkes Observatory. So you'll leave going, I can't believe that was discovered because of this place and, you know, and this and that. So that is one put on your list. Well, and it, it, it's such a cool place to hang out. And I know weekends are, are certainly ripe for uh, being a little bit more crowded, but you don't lose any of the charm, I think, if, if you do a midweek trip. And, and maybe that's kind of the secret, uh, if that's your more your speed, to go on a Wednesday, stay through Saturday, go a little bit more off-peak, but you still get to enjoy the charm, the restaurants, the horseback riding, if that's what you want to do, the parks, the beach, everything is still open and available. Yeah, and you know what, you, you are right. What I like about Lake Geneva is even if it's packed, right, you've got a, it's a weekend in July, in just a matter of moments, you can find a spot. It's not packed. And you can walk the 26 miles, you know, around Geneva, Lake. You know, we have one of the rare lakeshore paths where you get to walk through the backyards of these historic estates, Rockefellers, Maytags, Wrigley's, everyone from Tito, from Tito's Vodka to Daryl Hannah have homes along the lake. Where else can you walk in the backyards of historic, you know, mansions? And so, you, you know, you get off the beaten path just a mile and, and you've got it to yourself. And we've got a lot of places like Kishwaukee Nature Conservancy. You can hike there 365 days a year for free, four and a half miles. Um, and, and so there are all these special places. Um, so if you want to get away from the crowds, you can. If you want the crowds and the party atmosphere and you want to hit a speakeasy, an apothecary bar, we've got that too. So um, I, I love it. If you need to learn more, go to visitlakegeneva.com. We have all of our restaurants and events and attractions and, you know, concerts uh, all listed. So it's a perfect resource for you. Yeah, I really appreciate your time, Stephanie. So much fun to spend this week, you know, honoring tourism in the state of Wisconsin, showcasing some of the great places we have to visit. And good to connect with you again. You too. Thanks so much.